Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jacob with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. We have Kerry Cassidy coming on uh, in a few minutes. I just want to jump in and uh, just kind of start to introduce, you know, what we're what we're going to be talking about. So there's a there's a lot of discussion right now in Congress, and you know, this stuff has been going on for a long time as far as like the UFOs and all that stuff. Now they want to come out and say, yeah, there there are UFOs, there are uh, alien beings. Uh, we're not safe, all blah, 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 blah. So, uh, whenever these guys come out and do that, it's usually because there's something up their sleeve, right? They have been suppressing this stuff for 50, 60, 70 years, right? Or more. And now they're going to come out and say, yeah, this stuff exists. Of course, we know there is, uh, uh, a lot more in the background, uh, that exists like the, you know, space program, uh, we, we go to other planets, star Trek is real. You know? Uh, all, all that stuff is already real, but they want to like, uh, you know, beat around the bush and talk about how there's been some, uh, crash alien craft and there's little, little tiny, uh, you know, round little things that are running run around what what do you call those TikToks. Uh TikToks are running around. There's not that's not even the most advanced uh, you know, uh craft that are out there. We've back engineered craft that are far more advanced. So little TikToks, you know, TikToks were used in nine eleven. Uh nine eleven, uh if you could if you there were people that had just the right angle that could see the TikToks out there. Now were they filming uh, is that where we got all that great film films of the air, you know, the, the drones, not the planes, but the drones coming in, or was that uh, CGI because those drones, whatever that was just disappeared into the building. So it, I believe it's CGI. <laughs> so they were just, uh, flying around some kind of drone system. I don't know. It's, uh, some, some people that were at a distance couldn't see it. Uh, some people could see. Uh, the CGI, it's just very interesting. And then there was just explosions. Uh, there was no planes flying into buildings, no no visual, anything. So these little um, Tic Tacs, uh, if you've seen the movie Predator, uh, this Predator being was like, you know, killing all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's, uh, you know, crew. They came in to basically recover uh, an air, uh, downed helo or something uh, and, and the crew. And, uh, this, this alien being was basically, uh, you know, taking them, taking them all out. So they didn't know where it was coming from. They were just fired off into the distance. And, and then one of them saw it, saw the outline of it because it was in invisible mode. So one of those Tic Tacs, I saw different angles of the Tic Tacs being used during 9-11. So these, uh, these people that are doing the investigations, um, uh, this congressional investigation, uh, it's, it's all theater. It's absolute theater. Uh, all of the stuff that they're supposedly releasing to us is just to build a case, 
Uh, Kerry Cassidy just recently did a show with SGN on, and they were both talking about how it's probably just building a case for their uh, Project Bluebeam. Now, uh, Randy Kramer, who's one of the Secret Space Force guys, you know, it's not secret anymore, Space Force guys, <clears throat> has said that uh, there's going to be upwards of a million people just in the United States that are going to be killed in Operation Bluebeam uh, to like put the fear in everybody. So they, they've had plans for this for quite some time. Uh, Werner von Braun, who came over from the, the Nazis uh, after World War II, uh, he was in charge of the V-2 rocket uh, underground dumbs that were built to basically uh, shoot those, uh, those rockets into uh, England, almost brought England to its knees. Uh, and then he brought that technology over to the United States, and we did the space race, right? Uh, we're trying to beat Russia into space. They started launching into space, and we wanted to beat them. And eventually, uh, whether you believe it or not, there was, uh, you know, rockets, and we went to the moon. I think that's, I believe that some of that was real. Some of it was like they they filmed some of it uh, in case something went wrong. They needed, uh, you know, some entertainment for everybody in between when they were doing the real filming on the moon and so forth. So whether it whether it did happen or whether it didn't happen, uh, you know, everyone has their opinion about that. I believe it did happen. Now, I have my own, uh, you know, memories of the secret space program being involved in it. Now, there's a new movie out now uh, on Netflix. It's called They Clone Tyrone. <laughs> it's a it's a great it's funny, but it's a, it's a reveal. All right. So we've seen Jamie Foxx. Uh, basically, uh, looks like he's cloned right now. He supposedly got vaccinated for the movie and then got sick, uh, ended up in the hospital. And, you know, there's been this Jamie Foxx lookalike that's come out uh, and does not look like him at all. So are they playing the game of cloning or are they really, did something really happen to Jamie Foxx, you know, from the vaccination? We know the vaccination is causing problems to people. So they're like trying to like, you know, play on that, do a little play on the movie, do a little play on the vaccination. And then eventually Jamie Foxx comes out and he's completely, uh, you know, legit. He's like, hey, that's that's all bullshit. All that stuff is being spread about me. So th that's another way these guys play that to basically crush a narrative. So I think the same thing is going on right now. Carrie. Uh, He's probably going to say the same thing. Uh, the narrative on that is all BS. Now it goes, uh, when Kerry comes in, I'll, I'll talk a little bit deeper uh, about my background. I've been on Kerry's show. We've talked about, uh, he's, she's been on my show. We talked about the secret space program. We talked about uh, super soldiers, uh, my involvement in that program. We talked about all, all these different things. She's been revealing that for a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, she's got some very, very good insights on that. Uh, so we'll, we'll discuss some of that. And then I'm going to reveal a much deeper aspect of the military involvement in this, the CIA involvement in this and, uh, and so forth. So something I've never revealed before. Uh, and the reason why I never revealed that is because it's life-threatening to reveal this stuff. All right, so Carrie Cassidy's had a lot of people that have been whistleblowers on her show that have 
have died, you know, have been, uh, you know, mysteriously uh, die within a very short period of time of coming on her show. It's almost like she has her own Clinton hit list, right? They come on Carrie's show, and then there's a hit list on these people after after they do her show. Now, I don't know how she's been able to survive. She's pretty she's pretty amazing. The fact that she's still around, but you know, it does it does uh, kind of bear witness to the fact that if someone comes out and reveals something and they die. Shortly after that, they're probably revealing something that the deep state did not want to have revealed, and therefore it was good information. So a lot of us that come out and reveal this information uh, hope that it will inform humanity and lift humanity enough that we survive for having uh, you know, revealed that information. I'm, I'm not the kind of person that's going to stand in front of a machine gun and say, nanner, nanner, nanner. So, uh, and I don't feel that I'm doing that, and when I when I revealed the stuff now, uh, there was a point in the past where it was pretty close to that. All right. Uh, and I, and I just revealed this stuff on an offhand type of uh, situation. So when Carrie comes in, uh, I'll talk about that. So I don't know if she's coming in, she had a computer problem. So, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start to reveal some of that. Uh, so Carrie Cassidy had on a guest on her show. Uh, his name was Bill Wood. So Bill Wood uh, was revealing that he was part of a secret SEAL team. Um, Like uh, I was part of a secret SEAL team, SEAL Team 6. And he said that he he was employed in that secret uh, SEAL team to uh, shoot missiles into friendly targets, uh, uh, cruise missiles, uh, Tomahawk missiles, so forth, into... uh, into uh, friendly targets to keep wars going, all right? Uh, and when he revealed that, pretty much uh, things went topsy-turvy, all right? He had a lot of other stuff that he was talking about. He was talking about uh, Area 51, how he was at Area 51, uh, and he was part of, uh, he saw maybe even, I don't know if he was involved in it, but he saw the looking glass technology he said the looking glass technology was taken down, uh, and there's a conversation uh, amongst a lot of people that the looking glass technology uh, for the black hats has has actually been taken down, but the white hats have that technology, or Q, or whoever that is, all right? We keep calling them white hats. I think uh, at this point, the white hats, uh, they need to be revealing a lot more because for me to come out and Kira to come out and for all these other people to come out and reveal this information, do our research and reveal this information, be whistleblowers and so forth, uh, it, it, it does make uh, a nice impact. But this is something I believe that the white hat should already uh, be, be revealing. So looks like Kiri is coming in. So Kiri uh, is in the background. So uh, should do her video and then hopefully... So Bill Wood. So what was what was uh, the conversation between Carrie and uh, and Bill? So Bill was revealing all this information. Uh, he was part of a secret SEAL team. He was part of a missile program, uh, and this missile program was being used inappropriately, right? Inappropriately to keep wars going. Now, when I was in the, in the SEAL teams, uh, I was involved in 
uh, the basically the Panama invasion, and that that was over very quickly. But I was also involved. In, hey, Carrie, are you good? <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Well, hi. Let, let me introduce you real quick, uh, Carrie Cassidy. Thank you for coming in. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure and honor to have you on. You, you're 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 like you're moving into your second generation of sharing uh, your information that has been uh, very eye-opening for many of us, myself included, many other people, millions of people around the world. Uh, so almost 20 years, go, going into that 20-year period where uh, that's usually 20 years is a generation. So you're moving into the second generation of sharing uh, whistleblowers, uh, information, uh, deep state involvement, lots of different programs. Uh, a lot of, I was just talking about the, the space program and all that kind of stuff, how they're revealing right now in, in this congressional uh, hearing. I, I like what you and SG and on were just talking about how both of you are like, ah, they're just doing this because they're getting re getting us ready for Operation Bluebeam. You know, the thing that on uh, his deathbed, uh, Werner von Braun said, yes, there's going to be an Operation Bluebeam and it's going to be very tragic. A million, a million people, Randy Kramer said a million people in the U.S. alone would die uh, from Operation Blue Beam to really put a lot of fear in people. So probably something they're doing, probably something because a lot of us, you know, you, me and a lot of other people, you've had uh, William Tompkins on. He revealed amazing information. I loved his information. And then eventually he said he's, he can't talk to you anymore. Then he fell down some stairs and died. You know, so a lot of people are, you know, they come forward, they feel that if they get that information out, it'll raise consciousness, it'll, it'll, you know, give them some clearing to continue to share like I've been doing. But occasionally, some of them, you know, are taken off scene. Uh, and you, you've revealed a lot of stuff and then people have attacked you. I could tell you from, uh, from my background that we basically uh, reveal a lot of information. Uh, myself, myself in particular, I, I reveal information. I get attacked in a lot of different ways. My life has been threatened several times. Uh, so back to Bill Wood. So I was talking about Bill Wood, your conversation with Bill Wood, how we talked about, um, he was part of a, a secret SEAL team. He was part of, a, um, a missile program and they were using the missiles to basically strike, uh, friendly targets to keep the wars going. Uh, he talked about the, uh, Area 51, how he was involved with Grays. Grays taught him intuition and remote viewing and so forth, I believe. Uh, he talked about the looking glass technology, how the looking glass technology was basically taken down, like the black hats no longer have looking glass technology, but the white hats do. So that's kind of where I'm at right now in the conversation. So do you want to jump? First of all, thank you for coming on. How are you doing? <laughs> Sorry about this. Um one, my computer's really, really slow. So if anything goes wrong, like the slightest thing, <laughs> it takes, I don't know, 15 minutes to a half hour to get, get itself going. So it's just insane. Um, I, I have to deal with it later, but, um, <laughs> no, um, I'm doing a David, you know, a Nino thing. No. Uh, but anyway, just saying, um, okay. So yes, Bill Wood. His real name, Brock Brader. Mm -hmm. They actually, um, people don't know this. I, I guess I, I guess I'm at liberty to say this. I don't think it's a secret, but they threw him in prison after he was out and doing all those interviews, and I made him famous, and 
he actually made a fair amount of money, he told me. (laughs) Then he started to badmouth me out of the blue. I had no dealings with him whatsoever after I, you know, you saw me on the screen with him. That was like the last dealings I had with him. So uh, I don't know what goes on with my whistleblowers. Sometimes they they get triggered. Mm -hmm. The deep state has some kind of technology. They get threatened. That happened to me. Oh. Because I started to give uh, Bill Wood some credence. uh, Right. I remember some programs that we had when I was a SEAL instructor, and I'll go into detail about that, but uh, I got hammered. Oh, my God. I was like, wow. And I was like- I also got hammered by the, you know, you're talking about the Navy SEALs who went crazy. Mm -hmm. Those people go freaking ballistic. I got threatened, all kind of crazy shit. Um, yeah, so, so all hell broke loose to, in that regard. But <clears throat> let me say that, you know, his information was correct insofar as he was exposed to looking glass somehow. He was actually back in those days, I don't think he disclosed that he was like a major techie. So he was, you know, I think he did disclose that he had skills, but I think that he's a much, you know, he's like a, I'm not saying he's an Anon, but he's like an Anon, okay? If you understand what I'm saying here. So, because after later, okay, so now I think right now he's out of prison. Uh, I I guess he's not going public, but um, at a certain point he came back and wanted to do another interview. I told him no. I said, go find someone else because uh, I didn't want, you know, he'd already turned on me and been really, you know, unkind and, and lying to the public. I don't even know what he said because I don't pay a lot of attention. People just tell me. And then um, he, he you know, he basically had things to say. So he, he made some videos. I don't know if people saw those on his own. And then he disappeared again. Not sure if they took him back in or what happened. There's all kind of crazy stuff. But he his incarceration was actually not legal because technically the parents never press charges. <laughs> so if your victim, and she was not a victim, she was a young teenager who was, you know, kind of a wild girl kind of thing, I guess. And it was a legitimate relationship. He was also like in his 20s, his early 20s at the time, as far as I remember. And, you know, call me crazy, but I don't consider a teenager and a, and a guy in his 20s to be a pedophilia or anything like that, like prosecutable, but I guess America does, whatever. So he, yeah, so it, so I'm not sure, but you seem to be triggered by his information in some way. So maybe you could talk about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, and that's, that's a great background. Thank you for that. And, uh, and that's my understanding of his background as well, what what you shared. So I, I have a little bit deeper information on him, but you you pretty much pretty that put it perfectly. So the thing that got me triggered again to come back out with this, uh, and I wanted wanted to be with you because you were the one that basically brought Bill Wood Brock, Broadbreaker uh, into the light and his information to the light. So recently, uh, Phil Godleski basically talked about he had a show where. He had uh, Bill Wood, he got a little small 15-minute clip, I believe, where Bill Wood was talking about chess moves and uh, timelines and so forth. So Bill, when he did talk, he was pretty deep. 
but then he would go off on tangents and you're like, well, he's, he's, he's out there. But, uh, some, some of the stuff he talked about was pretty exceptional. And I thought you brought a lot of that out. Now you did, I think a couple interviews with him. Uh, and then you had, uh, your partner and David Wilcock come in and kind of, kind of interview him with you. It's a like, nightmare, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, so. there ended up to be some problems with that whole thing. Um, right. Okay. Good. Yeah. So, but I don't think, I don't think those videos are actually even online anymore. The, the group, there was some group videos or attempts at group. And I think back in that day, those days, cause this is like, this is like over 10, even 12 years ago. Well, it was right. back in 2012. So what is this? 2023. Yep. So, it was right before 2012. It was more like um, maybe a year before 2012, so 2011. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so those videos did not, they they didn't work out very well uh, after my interview with him. So, you know, some people are better in a group setting and some people are better on their own, you know, just in terms of interview, you know, because the way they present their material. But, um, yeah, so what... What I'm curious is what triggered you? Yeah, so what triggered me was that I, when I was in the SEAL teams, I was a SEAL instructor. I was ahead of uh, in, the enlisted side of first phase where we do our hell week and so forth. Uh, on, on hindsight, I remember there were, there were guys that were, they were kind of pushing them through. And in uh, SEAL training, no one gets pushed through. If they don't meet the standards, then they're out. Uh, but they were they were definitely pushing pushing some people through. Uh, some of the guys that I was working with, you know, brought it to my attention. Said, "Yeah, chief, these guys are trying to push through. These are all missile techs." And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. It didn't make any sense or why they would be doing it to me at the time." But, uh, you know, we were holding the standard. Uh, they weren't making it through. And one day, we, just before Hell Week, we have this one guy show up. He's dressed like we are, but he does have a UDT SEAL instructor shirt on, I mean, uh, sticker, like we do. It was embroidery. Uh, so we, we wore that with pride, of course. And uh, he shows up, and he's, he's got the camo pants, jungle boots, you know, blue and gold. He's got a, you know, a, a hat on, camo hat. It's all starch, pressed, just like we do it. Uh, and our officer, because our officer was kind of, I used to butt heads with him because he he tried to push some of these guys through too. And uh, he's like, do you guys mind? And he like pointed and we all looked. It was all, all the SEAL instructors. If these guys are allowed to come into training. Now, this was a boat crew of people that had quit, which is once you quit, you're out. You're, you're not in training anymore, but he wanted to put them in hell week. And I turned to the guys, I, I knew what the answer was going to be. I was like, what, what do you guys think? And they're like, hell no. And so I like turned back. I was like, no, no, that's not going to happen. So he, he turns to that, that one guy who had blonde hair, looked like a German, <laughs> turns to this guy and he says, do you mind if he puts them through training on his own separately? And I was like, I don't care what you do. And they seem to be really happy with that. And then off they go. And that's the last we saw of them. Now, there was another time we went to uh, San Clemente Island because there was uh, um, a, a, a balloon of, like, feces problem along the coast from uh, uh, Mexico. So they were dumping their sewage in. Uh, so there was a, a bad balloon, or so we were told. 
And so we flew to San Clemente Island with our, with our Hell Week class and did a Hell Week out there. So we come back and we hear from the guys at the SEAL teams. It's like, I thought you guys went to San Clemente Island to do that Hell Week. And we're like, yeah. And they're like, well, somebody was out here doing a Hell Week because we heard explosions and all kind of crazy stuff. So they were putting through their own Hell Week with some of these guys that had quit. They tried to push them through training. They didn't meet the standards. Uh, they quit. These were missile techs. They were all missile techs. So Bill Wood was a missile tech, right? So Bill Wood did not go all the way through training. And I knew that there were some people like that that were not going all the way through training. And, and Bill Wood, you know, initially he said he, he, was, he was Bill Wood. Well, we remember a guy, and I remember a guy named Woods that had gone through training that we didn't think should have made it. But he made it through. It was just before I got there and I, before I got control and started push back. So he's in the SEAL teams and he gets booted from the SEAL teams and we're all happy about it. We're like, yeah, he got, he, they kicked him out. For what? For child pedophilia. And that was a long time before you had Bill Wood on. And a long time before Bill Wood got kicked out for pedophilia. Or Broadbreaker. So I started putting it all together and I'm like, this guy sounds legit. And I started giving, giving him legitimacy. Cause he came out and I said, yeah, I remember, I remember this, you know, we, we had, and boy, I got attacked. I was working for the CIA at the time. The CIA came down on me for no reason. They started bad mouth. Guys were coming up to me. It's like, I heard you were like, you know, during, uh, you know, the holidays, Halloween, you're like painted yourself black and had a spear and going like, ooga, booga, booga. I was like, that's bullshit. You know, I've never done anything like that. We don't even do holidays overseas because we don't draw attention to ourselves. So we're going to get blown up. So, and so they're trying to destroy my credibility and the background. Overseas in the CIA, I walked on water in the SEAL. I walked on water in the SEAL teams in the CIA. Everyone loved me. Uh, they all wanted me to come to their sites because I made amazing things happen. So when I did the, when I started saying that about Bill Wood, I was like, maybe he's right. Maybe there is another SEAL team that is, they take these guys in. Because when I was at SEAL Team 6, uh, the SEAL Team 6 is the anti-terrorist team. We had uh, boats that we used to basically go out, speed boats that we used to go out and do hook and climbs and go on to, uh, if, if there ever was a problem, which there had been in the past, for uh, uh, cruise ships. So we would basically go on the cruise ships if terrorists took it down and we would clear it. All right. So we trained on that. And so some of the guys who were driving the boats were like me, guys like me that had gone through SEAL Team 6, which is a creme de la creme of the SEAL teams. You get handpicked to go there, you go through training. Not everybody makes it. And you get, you go to the team, you go to those team. So Red Squadron was a team that I went to. Red Squadron eventually would be the one that went, got Osama bin Laden, who I helped find. So that's my claim to fame after all that. So. Anyway, we were having guys, we're like, hey, let's, let's take some guys and put them in the boats uh, from, the, from, the regular from the regular Navy. Uh, so we took uh, like different guys from the Navy and we put them through a little hell week. So we went to training, put them through a little hell week, uh, and then we let them drive our boats and they didn't really work out. So it, we learned the hard way that you got to have Navy SEALs do that because it's a really tough job. Uh, average guy can't do it. Uh, so that, and then this other seeming SEAL team that no one claims 
Uh, and when I started to talk about it, they got really, pro they had a big problem with that because I, I think I'm revealing a side of, you know, the deep state. So I, sure. we talk about the deep state all the time. There's a military deep state side. So that's what I think we need to come up with. We need to like expose this. Now I'm probably going to get a lot of pushback on this. Okay, but there. Okay, but there's no doubt. Um, now I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this actually goes back to the British even during World War II, but also probably before it, because this was actually their ingenious idea. So what they did, and it, it became actually, it went on to steroids later in the United States. So let me explain that, because what happened was they started to realize that they had a great team, but they were kind of like one-sided. Not to say you guys didn't have a lot of facets yourselves, but what they needed were some very unusual, what do you call, um, square pegs that don't fit in a round hole type Absolutely. people. Yep. And that is what they, in order to win World War II and to have a better way to infiltrate the enemy side, they needed people who thought outside the box, not in the box, who, who basically were renegades, who were troublemakers, who were in some cases, uh, you know, super bookish, you know, what we would call nerds now in this day and age, right? Mm -hmm. um, nerd types, yep. heavy techie types, guys that didn't have social graces, couldn't handle themselves in certain circumstances, had certain PTSD weird stuff going on. Sometimes they were idiot savants. They would be people that, you know, knew things like brilliant, like, um, you know, what is that guy they always make a movie? They made a movie about um, whatever his name is. Um, I can't stand that movie, but other people adore it. So <laughs> they'll let me get on the bad side of everyone. But no, uh, what do they call that guy? The one with Tom Cruise and the, I forget who played the, the, the misfit kind guy. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm. You're going to, you're going to remember later. It's just really obvious. Maybe somebody in the chat, I don't know if you have a chat going on, but anyway, yeah, so, so, so what we're saying here is that of Are you course they had gun, that, that thing, not top gun. No, it's the opposite of top gun, top gun. You know, the guy that's a, the, that, you know, can, can you drop toothpicks on the ground and he can, tell you how many there are oh yeah, forrest yeah, gump yeah. forrest yeah. gump so they needed forrest gump type people not because they wanted those qualities what they wanted was the sort of genius qualities or idiot savants as they're called um qualities to decipher certain things on the enemy side so they could they had to mix them into the team and lots of times the team doesn't like it yeah. because the team is very athletically adept. Absolutely. They're usually very socially adept. They're usually, they think really fast. They do this, that, and the other. They're very coordinated. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're talking Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, so what happens is this, is this became in World War II a pattern that that actually helped them in many ways. And sure. the funny thing that happened was that once you put these guys in among 
the SEAL team type people, what would happen was a weird kind of, um, it's something that people don't talk about much with uh, humans, but it's sort of an osmosis that goes on when we're in, it's, you called, it can be called, you know, the field of resonance. And so what happens is that individual begins to merge with the group and, and even through osmosis alone, just by contact, starts to refine themselves along the lines of the group because there's just a, a, a silent, you know, unspoken way of going. And now that's not always the case because you do have people that are like me <laughs> who, who don't follow the group no matter where, what group you put me in. <laughs> it's just I can't be osmosis or whatever you want to call that. But those, those um, techniques, I mean, those skill sets can be very valuable to the group still. So what I'm saying is they had to sneak them in. And you obviously tapped into it. Um, I mean, especially with some of your, I don't know if you call yourself, Michael, um, just a remote viewer, or do you consider yourself having psychic ability? Yeah, all that. Uh, okay, so you, yeah, you, remote viewer, remote influencer. So yeah, I was doing okay. all that stuff. So, so being that kind of individual, I'm sure that you tapped into a lot more than you're even saying here. Um, and I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but you won't, I won't do it, (laughs) (laughs) but this kind of thing is really important. And in the military, it's only become more important as time has gone on. So this is what they did with Bill Wood. And he, he was able to sort of sneak into the seals without the training certain kind of training and uh, being a round hole in a square peg or vice versa. And then, you know, that's, that's what went on. So, but it's key to understanding him to know that he was after he shot, he, he shot the whistle. I mean, shot the missile. (laughs) Sorry. It's very early. Um, He shot the missile into the, the wall of, of a cliff instead of at the Kurdish village. Right. Yep. He was brought into the brig, like, and he spent at least a month there, as I recall, more than a, or more than a month. What happened there was a lot of uh, programming. So it's, you know, and then you got to fast forward to the situation that he had recently where he, what's well, not that recent at all. Um, back where he came out, he did lots of interviews. He was very out. And then they, they actually brought him back up on charge. I mean, it's completely illegal what they did to him. It's incredible. Um, back up on charges um, that were never charged to begin with, like the military having their own code of conduct, I guess. Maybe there might be some, but it's delayed. And so I, I would I would think there would be a statute of limitations, as they say, even in the military. But we don't have to get into the whole legalities of what happened to him. But yeah, the, the military he, actually can um, convict you, which they did. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, something that the you know the regular judicial system, the uh, civilian judicial system would do. But you you have to realize how many years after the fact this was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very. Uh, they they dug deep and they they found something on him. Like I said, that other guy, they basically got him on pedophilia, 
and they did the same thing with Bill Wood. That, that's just, and we know that's one of the things that they do. They, you, you could be, I could be, anyone could be like, not even anywhere remotely a pedophile, and they'll they'll put it on your computer, and then the FBI will raid, and they'll find it, and you're you're done. So they, we know they do that kind of stuff. Yeah, but in his case, it wasn't that. Okay, it was specific to this relationship he had with this young girl. And so, that young girl was in his family. It was his, he'd married a woman that was Mormon. And so, uh, I guess she was, like you said, you know, little, little loose and she came on to him and he's a young guy. And so he had sex with her. And, and now the military is going to use that because the family doesn't, their family just wants to bury it, but the military wants to bring it up. And it's like, oh, we're going to try him for that. And they did. And, and they found him guilty. But more than 10 years after the fact, I mean, right. you know, or even more than that, I don't even know, because he had already gone into the military, served in the military, came out of the military. They didn't charge him until after he came out of the military and was on the in the public domain again. Oh, wow. Hmm. And doing interviews. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. I got he you. didn't get charged and put into jail, and he was put into a jail Ill, like where he wasn't on the roster publicly, which is actually a a law in the United States where when you're charged with something and you go in, in jail or prison and you there's a roster of the people. Well, he wasn't on the list, but he was in jails. He yeah. was basically in jail underground, as far as I know, in Idaho, but whatever. Well, he, he had an ankle monitor for a while and he was loose. They let him go. And then I, I don't know if he broke his uh, contract for a lot, not don't disclose anymore and he he did and then they like wrapped him up again i think threw him in the prison yeah i mean i don't know all the ins and outs yeah. of all that yeah. but i'm just telling you so anyway okay but the point is 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 this convergence of timelines that's what he was really talking about that back in those days they were seeing on looking glass apparently mm -hmm. a convergence of timelines and it's very important since we're having this discussion that I say, which I've said to you off the record, but I said publicly, which is, you know, he came very late to the game as far as Looking Glass is concerned. He did. Yep. He's not the first whistleblower on Looking Glass. The real whistleblowers on Looking Glass is Dan Burish and Marcia McDowell. And uh, Dan Burish um, came on my show and told, talked a great deal about Looking Glass, even we have drawings of it, supposedly, you know, if you want to believe them, and so on and so forth. And he dealt with Kayella, which was a, a sort of a, I don't know what you call it, but a P-52 gray um, ET. Um, and and eventually they they took him to, I think it was the Step Pyramid. I, I don't know if it was actually Giza, but it was the Giza Plateau. And near there, and so it's either Saqqara or or the main pyramid, and they they actually he went through a portal and went back to his people. So that was they let him escape, and I guess um, broke some rules by doing that. Anyway, at least that's the story. So this is many years before Bill Wood actually slash Brock Brader ever came forward. Actually, I mean I'm talking like almost probably ten years. I mean it's crazy. So that's why, personally, I didn't, I wasn't bowled over by his testimony or anything because I'd already been dealing with 
Looking Glass and done a couple of interviews with Dan Biersch and Marcia McDowell and I had um, basically also had, there was another person who dealt with Looking Glass somewhere along the line before Wood came forward. Yeah. So anyway, just, just so everybody's aware, tell us real quick what Looking Glass is, future looking kind of stuff. Okay. Well, now we would relate it to being AI, I think. But back in those days, they didn't call it AI. And they said they were using a computer to figure out what they called um, <clears throat> um, um, it's, it's, it's like a percentages of likelihood that something will happen. And like gaming, yeah. Yeah, so it was reading out on the future. And now, I, this is what he told the public, okay? I, I think it probably was capable of a great deal more. It is also likened to what's called the yellow cube. That is a completely different technology, although it may be based on that technology, but it's, a, it's also an ET technology. Um, which arguably both of them are. Now, there was this whole drama that Burish talked about that in 2012, they went around, the military went around, and you could see a signature if someone had a looking glass technology. They, would go, they went around and, and shut them all down, supposedly. There was going to be a wave of energy coming through in 2012 that would trigger, like, I don't know, some kind of big explosion that could knock the earth off its axis or number of things if those looking glasses were left open, supposedly. I mean, there's a whole saga with this. You can go listen to the interviews and follow it. What happened was actually nothing. So in 2012, there was kind of like a big nothing happened, although there were some um, more sort of spiritual things that were going on because I was actually at the Great Pyramid and and you know Egypt yeah. okay. on on when it turned 2012. So the wow. you know, whatever that is, um, in December of 2012, 2011. So when it yep. you know we were there and when everything was supposed to happen and we had amazing time there and lots of interactions with unseen entities and so on even um on the there was a certain day when everything was supposed to happen mm -hmm. and we did see these beings at going around the great pyramid i know it sounds weird but no i i, I saw a lot of a uh, video that I, maybe some of that was yours but there were some interesting light uh anomalies that were happening during that day and the night yeah so it's not to say nothing actually happened and after that, Ashiana Dean, for those of you who followed my work back in those days and knew about her, um, came forward and said after that that we had been qualified as what she called an ascension planet. So there was some change. However, the convergence of timelines that he kind of talked about in the Golden Age and all this stuff never happened. None of it. I mean, duh. <laughs> it's even gotten worse. But there is, um, you know, in theory, see, I think because these things are not static, so that could have been the trend at the time. But since then, I think the timelines have actually separated even more. Um, and there's reason to believe that they've actually tried to, what we did was we, we went on one 
timeline, supposedly. This is the story. Yeah. And it was the better timeline. Had Hillary won, it, we would have been on the more negative timeline. So that's significant. Yeah. Um, however, what it looks like now is that they have been trying to think of it as a, a like a tree graphed onto our timeline some of the negative pieces of the negative timeline since they can't move us all together on the uh, yeah now i don't this is my theory it's just a theory so just take it for what it's worth but just saying that if you notice we have some weird things going on here <laughs> do i have to say that um where actually you know there's an underbelly of super positive stuff going on. And I'll even use this whole um, uh, recent, the hearing, okay, that happened, uh, the UAP hearing with the committee, oversight committee. And Before you go into that, let me let me add a little bit to your story. Okay, yeah, please uh, go right ahead. The 2012. So I, I could remote view into the future and see the future really, really well. And I was doing that overseas quite a bit, you know, warning everybody about tax coming and so forth. So, uh I couldn't see past 2012 uh, for a long time. And as we got close, because everybody would be, I did a lot of shows, everybody was asking me. I was like, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing, but I, I don't think it's, uh, until we get closer, I, I, I can't say definitively. Now, Tom Kenyon, who works with um, the Hathors, uh, you've probably been to Dendara, the Hathors, you know, were pretty, pretty prominent. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Tracy and I actually uh, did a wedding ceremony in the, the Hathor birthing chamber there in Dendara. It's a very, very beautiful place, but um, yeah. we're, we're pretty tapped into that. So he had, uh, the Hathors were basically saying that we're in that destruction uh, timeline that we needed to create another timeline. So a lot of us were creating that other timeline. Uh, and then I felt very, very, very confident that we had done that uh, and that now we're moving into this, this new uh, evolutionary period. Okay. I just want to throw that in there. Okay, well, thank you. Um, no, that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> I might see it a bit differently, but okay, so, you know, there's lots of different ways to see the future as there are probably different futures as well that could roll out at any time um, based on, in a certain sense, okay, the way I was told about the timelines is that there are these milestones so you could think about we there's timeline 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 or rings in a tree whatever and across those timelines are these what we call milestones kind of like where they cross all the timelines these particular events that regardless of what timeline you're on they're going to happen they could happen it's kind of like you know if you know cliff high's work i always kind of make it snide comments about this idea but he says he'll say we're going to be inundated by water now that could mean a tsunami it could mean a heavy rain it could mean you know a flood it could mean it's just a rainy day i mean there's so many variations of things that you think right. and this is the trouble with i'm not going to name names certain psychics out there who think they're so brilliant in and yet you know, they'll tell you there's going to be a violent fire or something like that. And then there's variations of that are so fucking numerous, sorry, 
um, that, um, you know, and then they claim credit. This just really aggravates yeah. me because I have my own. It's basically you're seeing think, in the future and you're interpreting through your own lens. So you can't you really. A wave of something. Yeah. That To me, that's not being psychic. Okay. To me, that's not a prediction. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, uh, you know, um, I don't know, you know, it's kind of like reading the weather and seeing the weather off in a distance and thinking, you know, what's going to happen when it gets to you. As far as I'm concerned, okay, when, if you're honest about being a psychic intuitive, then you either have the nitty gritty details or you don't. Okay. Um, and general generalizations don't cut it. That's my point of view. I'm, I'm more of a hard ass. And that's, that's good. But I think that, uh, you know, it's from my experience, sometimes I have exceptional detail and then sometimes I don't. And I think that's by design. They don't want to give too much out. And that's, that's kind of, I just go with the flow. I, I put out what I can, well, but I know, and that's it. We're talking about they, who they is. And I would say, I mean, it depends where you think you're getting your information from, but First, I think God uh, yours, so. Yeah. But what I mean is that right. you're, you're the vehicle, you're the, you're the, the fulcrum. So the information comes in and you can e- you either block some of it out because your particular soul is not either ready for it right, or you don't want it. You don't want to know the pre, you don't want to be a precog in that case or, or some other issue where you decide you want to experience it firsthand as opposed to with an overlay of knowledge. So I, I've noticed that this goes on a lot. Um, anyway, and it depends on the vehicle as always. So whoever's speaking about the thing. So um, anyway, I, I think I'm getting off topic here. Uh, I wanted to get back to, to this situation. So we're on a timeline at this time. And again, the, this is just, I mean, this was very clearly told to us. Now you went, you can, contested of course but we were told unequivocally that the negative timeline hillary would have won okay that was planned um and obviously that didn't happen so you know we so donald trump and his group threw sort of a wrench into their plans they had to regroup and and make some new plans so here we are you know what what i was starting to talk about was the uap um, sort of meeting they just had, where we have a, a form of disclosure, which was very unexpected, I would say, in the way it, you know, because people always thought, oh, it's going to be the president making an address to the people saying, hello, everyone, we have ETs. Um, it wasn't done like that. It was done in a, in this very interesting, you know, Q&A with three whistleblowers, primary, pretty impeccable whistleblowers, Okay. So that's where we're are, we are now. And what that does is open the door for so much. And technically, it can also open the door for, you're calling it deep state. And I wanted to, to bring an issue to that because a lot of people tend to call what we know of as the deep, deep, deep state, which is more the secret space program, the secret government, which is not part of the deep state, okay? Not, couldn't really be classified in 
the deep state could be seen as like a middle layer. Um, it's not, they're not in charge, the deep state. Okay. So even Klaus Schwab and his cohorts and whoever is, 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 you know, Soros and all these people, I don't think they are running secret space. Okay. They are not yeah. in charge of the secret government. Yeah. They, um, follow orders from the secret government, but they're not in charge. Right. So actually we don't know, we don't have people that are necessarily in charge of that, that we know of. That's, that's now there point, because I, I heard your, in your interview with uh, SG, you brought up, uh, and I completely agree with you, that there are negative ETs like in charge of the CIA. Now I, I feel very strongly, because I work in the CIA very closely, uh, that that is accurate. Um, there, there were minions below that one supreme being that, that thinks they're over us and can do whatever they want. But, uh, you know, I think you're accurate in that and you're accurate because some of those beings are in charge of other things as well. That's, that's exposure that we really want. Not that, yeah, we have these little Tic Tacs that run around the sky and we have some <laughs> little, little, uh, uh, Martians that, you know, crash in a craft and we have their bodies and that's ridiculous to me. All right, so the stuff that you're that you are the you are a white hat, you know, uh, revealing these guys, these gray hats, as I call them now, don't reveal crap. You know, we push the envelope, and then they they piggyback on that, and then they oh we're gonna we're gonna disclose more. It's like okay, good. So keep keep going. At least we, at least we have a conversation going. Uh, yes, at least we have that. We we've, we've opened that door, so it can't be closed again. Let's let's keep pushing it. Hello, this is Michael Jaco. If you want to learn more on how to unleash your own intuition, go to michaelkjaco.com, unleashingintuition.com, where you can find my courses on how to become the master of your own reality. So I have been, as you probably know, I have been pushing the envelope along those lines recently because if you take that and you take the child trafficking sound of freedom, and what's really going on. And again, Sound of Freedom was is kind of like, they're like the middle of the road. They didn't reveal too much. They didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> they didn't yeah. want to bring it all out. Um, <laughs> the whole story is much, much, much more diabolical and dark than mm -hmm. they portray it. So understanding that, I am now trying to take those two pieces and say, look, we've been proven right about what is really going on in our skies. I mean, you only saw these stupid, benign little tic-tac things, which by the way, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade, but I have to, because at least according to my whistleblower, way back in the day when they were talking about the tic-tac thing, mm -hmm. um, which is not when it first came out, by the way, <laughs> which was 2002, I believe. And it didn't even come out in the, in the, you know, New York times and the press until just a few years ago, maybe 2017 or whatever it was. So just want to say that this yeah, supposedly I, I was talking about how I remember someone was disclosed was show, uh, they looked like they were, um, cloaked, but it looked like they were Tic Tacs on nine 11. So. Oh, fair enough. Well, I have a witness. I'm trying to get him to come forward oh, nice. who has evidence of Tic Tacs Good. 
at going back to 27, going back to 1967. And they had these two little antenna things and they looked identical, except the only difference was those had rivets. What he thinks is that they souped up the technology because it's ours and, or they reverse engineered it, however you want to look at that. And then, you know, did this whole demonstration. And my, my witness said, whenever that was, which again, you have to look at the New York times and see what the date they're using, like 2017 or something sometime before COVID, I think it was anyway. And the thing it was demonstrating like all kinds of capability, right? Mm -hmm. There. Okay. Think of the thousands, not thousands, millions of UFOs sightings all around the globe, photographs, videos, all over YouTube. It, you know, that and sex supposedly are the two biggest topics on the whole internet worldwide. So, you know, you, you got to understand how they have cleansed and narrowed the people's perception so that even during this hearing, all they would do, they talked about two other craft. They talked about a football-sized uh UFO and they talked about this um it was a it's a a transparent um ring or whatever you call it transparent shape and it had a square a black square inside so that there were those were the ones they talked about I don't think they talked about anything else and they certainly didn't show you any pictures you know it wasn't a show and tell by any stretch right but because that committee was focused on national security, it unequivocally reached the conclusion that regardless of how benign the Tic Tac looked and acted, it, was, it demonstrates that it's a threat to our national security because of the capability. Now, that's kind of funny when you know, like I do, because I've been studying the secret space program. That's my area of emphasis the whole 18 years I've been doing this. So that's where my concentration of witnesses also are. And that's where I get the most disclosure. And so that was out of choice, okay? That we early on wanted to, to get whistleblowers in what we call above top secret who reveal our dealings with off-planet races, which indeed we did. As So we were a success or I was a success because my former partner that I started Camelot with only um, lasted uh, really two and a half, maximum three years before we split up completely. So 18 years, that would be, you know, the way it was. But anyway, so have to say that with this body of, of knowledge that I have now also, I mean, so as an intuitive, I... I get information. I also get downloads more and more that I didn't necessarily get in the very early days. But my witnesses have educated me, in essence, for the last 18 years. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and continue to do so um, on occasion. So that's where, you know, where I have a, a huge body of knowledge. And because I have abilities that allow me to discern truth from falsity that has served me very well in this this sort of journey because you know even supposed whistleblowers will try to lie to you on occasion 
some of them are trying to protect themselves and their families. So I don't personally necessarily hold it against them. I don't like it, but I can tell, I can see through it um, for the most part. Um, but I, my former partner couldn't handle that. So that was really why we split up. Gotcha. He couldn't handle that a witness could lie to you. And he also wanted to get vindictive, which is not part of our you know, agreement. You, you can't, you know, as a journalist, you can, you can understand that there's reasons why you have to have extremely good principles. Otherwise, these people won't come to you in the future, obviously. If you're going to out them behind the scenes after they come forward and bear their soul, um, that would be insane. So, so being able to maintain your agreement, your secrecy with the witnesses is primary. And has been. I, I know that you you've talked about it, and I can see you you have that skill as well. You can look at body language and so forth, and and kind of tell if someone's leading you along on a on a wrong path, or if they're actually telling you the truth. So that's that's very important too. And and you can see that, like, and I heard you and SG talking about how this this recent you know uh, interview where the Congress is interviewing these three gentlemen, uh, these experts, and uh, they're it seems like, and you you make you made a good point that somebody might have got hit by uh, energy weapon and basically shut them down a little bit. Uh, so the deep state has to, or whoever we we want to call this 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 group, is allowing this information to come out to a certain extent, but they want to still have control, and they want to still threaten uh, people that are that are coming out revealing. So that is still happening. So anyone that reveals. Uh, is is still under threat, uh, and the, you just have to look back on the people that you've interviewed over time. Uh, a lot of them have, uh, you know, had some mysterious uh, disappearances, and uh, and then met some tragic ends within a short period of time after talking to you. So uh, you know that this is real. That they, you know, come after people that reveal information they want to keep under wraps. Now, like we're talking about, there are groups that, and I've been involved in some of those. Uh, in the SEAL teams and in the CIA that are good and they want to do the right thing, we know there are other groups within our organizations that are not good and we try to do our best to work around them and keep them isolated from doing harm. So we know that's going on. So it's the same thing in this business as well. Uh, we're like you, our expert at this, uh, you know, revealing this information, but you know, there's, there's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of misdirection in there. Uh, people are going to, you know, turn on you like you're talking about. Uh, for, for me, for instance, when I, when I did disclose on, on Bill Broadbreaker, uh, from that point on, I got attacked, like I said, by the CIA, uh, by all these people that were former, uh, military, uh, Intel specialists, started contacting me and telling me how what a creep I was average citizens were were, were saying they're gonna they're gonna come for me and I was like wow this is like getting out of control so I, I basically disowned it I was like okay I'm just gonna say yeah I was wrong so that's what I did I said no you know I don't I, I never really remember that guy and so I was like okay maybe that'll that'll clear me that was the worst thing I could have done so then they saw, oh, he's weak. And then they really came after me. And then they destroyed my life like crazy. So from that point on, I've been a revealer as much as I can, 
pushing the envelope like you. Right. Um, well, obviously, you know, I never signed a security oath. I never worked for the military. And I guess that's been my strong suit all through this. Um, I think also the fact, you know, that I'm a woman because they tend to, sorry, but the military is still an old boys club, even though they have women in it. So they tend to discount you much more so. So they didn't take me seriously in the early days. Um, but <laughs> as I, I knew, knew, you know, who I was, and I've always been the same way my whole life. So, um, I mean, I talk back to teachers in school. So I, I you know, not just a little, but a lot. And, <laughs> um, and I also, um, you know, I, def I had my brother is a bit, um, he's like, you know, what do you call that round? peg in a square hole kind of person and he couldn't stand up to a lot of the bullies in school he was a year ahead of me but I I actually would get in between him and a bully and they would punch me instead of him um so that's when I was really young <laughs> so um so I started early doing you know playing this role I guess you might call it but um anyway I digress so getting back to this situation with the UAPs and what's happening now. So they, it does set the scene. I, I said this in another show, but I want to say it here and get even your take, Michael, because as far as I'm concerned, in order for them to do a false flag alien invasion, um, fake, whatever you want to call it, blue beam, and I'm sure they have the technology like in spades now, whereas they probably wouldn't have 10 years ago. So they they can do this, but they need, what happens is when you have a giggle factor and you've told somebody it isn't real for 60, 80 years, suddenly they want you to take it seriously and believe that they're having battles with aliens. No one's going to believe it, especially in this day and age, right, with CGI and all that stuff, rightly so. And so that's where you get, you have to change people's minds and get them to believe again that this thing could be real. So that's what this hearing was all about as far as I'm concerned. They wanted to get to the place which they got to, which is, it's a threat to national security. And you're like, hmm, it's been a threat since 2002 and how many years? 22 years you've been, this thing's been sitting in the sky on and off or whatever else is up there and you've done nothing or what nobody asked that question of course but what i'm trying to say is that they've now set the scene they had to get rid of the giggle factor once and for all and theoretically they have done that now and it has to be taken seriously it does require as um Olgols, i think his name was Olgols, the last guy who spoke who in my estimation, had a higher security clearance than a lot of the other people, mm. the Congress people out of attendance. He basically said, clearly, this is a threat to national security. Now we have to do something about it. Hello. And, you know, <laughs> I actually saw some newspaper articles where I didn't even spend time on them, but some headlines where people were going, well, I feel a lot safer now that they are calling them a threat to national security. And I was thinking, 
Why do you feel safer? They haven't done anything. You know, <laughs> they're just pawns in a game. So it was, it's, it's really insane. But to get back to the point, so what do you think? I think that basically they had to get rid of the giggle factor. They need people to believe it's real because otherwise they can't do their demonstrations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's uh, that's brilliant. Uh, I just watched uh, David Ike basically tear this apart as well. Uh, any Anything these guys come out and say basically is they've already proven themselves to be, you know, fake and <laughs> stupid, you know, from the vaccination program. That's, that's a great... Uh, till right there. I mean, we're looking at we're looking at that. That's being revealed, but still they're lying about that. So we're we're gonna like believe these guys now. They're coming out with uh, something that's been suppressed for like twenty years. They've known about this for twenty years, and now they're like, okay, it's a threat. Uh, yeah, excuse uh, me, it's not well. All right, you're saying tic tac literally, but actually the tic tac goes back to sixty seven. Right. The secrecy, and even Grush said that this on the floor of that meeting. He basically said since the 1930s, which oh, is yeah. roughly Good. accurate. Yep. And that makes it uh, 70, 80, 90 years of secrecy. Okay. And mass. Bringing in the Nazis. Yeah. Bringing in the Nazis. Yep. And that's, that's, that's where, we, where it's at. So, uh, you know, we're at a very interesting juncture where we go from here. The trouble is, and I'm going to say this, I'm sorry, I'm you know, because I want to use the opportunity. I am trying to get people to understand that the child trafficking and the reptilian presence underground and in interdimensionally and here in our skies as well, what people don't know, but what Courtney Brown's remote viewers are actually talking about all the time now, they're remote viewing reptilians and craft and grays threatening us in our skies daily but what's happening is there is a link up there and what's really happened has been that and i just had another um contact of mine verify this from his contacts so basically saying we have the draco reptilian gray alliance which is called the luciferian alliance um and they are basically have been invaded, invading Earth for eons, and they take humans into underground caves, and they have nests where they actually have children in cages, and along with the deep state, deep you know secret space program, who allows this to happen because they have no choice. And William Tompkins is the one that really came forward to reveal that what we have in our secret space program, it's more, it's simplistic because we actually have a lot of aliens he didn't talk about, but the aliens he did talk about, which is the Pleiadians on the one side, the good side, yeah. and the reptilians on the other, that were both interfering with our the development of our space program. And watch my interview, it's a three hour, I think, interview with me and Michael Schratt and him it's stellar. I, I put it back on the front page. So it's yeah, one of the, I love that interview. That's everyone should definitely watch that. It's incredible. But towards the second end of the second one, I said, we talked about the child trafficking and I did that interview is like now a ridiculous number of years ago. I don't know if it's yeah. 10, but it's a lot of years. And he basically died shortly after it. But what happened was at the end of the interview, I started asking him about the child trafficking and how bad it was. And he said it was worse than I could ever imagine. 
Mm. Now, you might just think, oh, well, that's just how somebody would talk. But you got to understand how the impression on me, because I can imagine very bad stuff because I've already been doing this and already had been doing that for 15 years or more, right? So when you say to me, it's worse than I can imagine, you're really saying something there. Okay. What happened is he agreed to do another interview on that particular subject. Oh, wow. Then the night before the interview, I got a phone call yeah. saying, don't ever speak to me again. Don't call me. Yeah. I can have no more contact with you. And he hung up and basically I tried to go through channels and figure out what ha happened. And then he was dead, you know, a few weeks later. So that's the bottom line is that that link up and I, I know that it's going to be hard for people to realize but you know gene decode for example is one person out there who's been talking about the rescue of children in underground bases mm -hmm. and what happens to the soldiers who go in and have to rescue the children and kill have battles with reptilians okay and grace so understanding that this is actually going on and so what I've asked Juan to do is to give us some whistleblowers who are soldiers who have actually taken part in those raids and ha ask if they will come forward and, and share. Now, I realize that that's asking for the world, basically. Yeah. But Juan is somebody who he's actually was the motivating factor be behind getting Sound of Freedom out to the public. Oh, yeah. Supposedly they have some other vehicles coming forward where they're gonna reveal more, maybe the Drenochrome Highway, I certainly hope so. But yep. the bottom line here is that if people don't start putting two and two together, they will not understand how deep the threat goes to our national security as an understatement, to your children, okay? and. If people don't know the truth, how can they protect their children? They let their children go out and, and be, be taken by society and disappear in all kinds of different ways, national parks, you name it, in war zones as well. I mean, there is a portal going through CERN direct to Draco, the Draco galaxy, that the great gigantic reptilian ships come down through that portal they need a special portal to come in and they go to the war-torn areas syria iraq iran wherever the battles are taking place and in this case probably ukraine right and they pick up humans like in mass as slaves and they basically take them off planet and they sell them they use them as food sex toys you name it and this has been going on forever, okay? So, wow, that's very loud. So um, just saying that, you know, and Captain Mark Richards is has been telling me about this for the last, well, I've interviewed him 12 times over a five-year period, and I haven't even seen him ever since the COVID thing. So that's two or three years at this point. So that would be eight years of, you know, of testimony that I've gotten. I'm trying to get back in touch with him now. They just okay. cut him off because I got access. It, you know, it's just, it's a ridiculous game. They, he's gotten completely silent lately. So I'm also prevailing upon Juan because Juan is working with Trump directly. As far as I'm concerned, Juan is JFK in disguise 
I'm not disclosing anything that's putting him in danger because the, the deep, dark, secret space, you know, authorities, whatever you want to call them, all know who he is, okay? They know anyone with half a brain can see he's wearing a disguise. He wears a Santa Claus, you know, beard. He's got this gigantic fat stomach that he has to, you know, have a belt or whatever to hold up to make the stomach real, you know, skinny legs and, you know, so on and so forth. So, and he's wearing a mask like Tom, Tom Cruise. It's a bodysuit. They know who he is. Okay. He can use, but he uses his disguise to tell the truth. Okay. And he drips and drabs truth out there. But what I'm saying is he has the ability to get Mark Richards out of prison to help them to fight these guys. Okay. To fight the, the deep, deep, dark reptilians, dracos, and greys. And it's very important to understand is that a lot of people don't realize is dracos primarily don't come here anymore. They stay in the Draco galaxy, cause havoc there. The reptilians and the greys are the primary actors here on earth. All right. And it's also important to realize that, according to Mark Richards, we're having a, there's a battle going on with the Dracos in, in the Orion galaxies where we are helping fight the good fight. Um, so, and something like 100,000 soldiers are up there right now on and off doing, doing that kind of thing. So the Pleiadians, it's important to know that the Pleiadians trained humans that's, that's why they got involved in our secret space program. They trained humans to be warriors against the Draco. That's the whole reason they tried to help us because they've been fighting the Draco forever and the reptilians and greys. The greys just work for them. Most of the greys are programmable biological entities, which in essence is, by the way, I just want to say, is going to be what the fake aliens are going to be made of. They're going to be biological programmable entities. The only question is, what are they going to look like? You know, how big will they be? That kind of thing. I posit that they're going to be what they're training the kids to kill, which is insectoids of one way, you know, version or another, either these beetle-like kind of be beings that are in all the books or, you know, or literal insectoid type things mm. yeah that's uh that's you know a lot of people have been talking about this for for quite some time so that's that's very possible uh but if we disclose it then uh it's it's not uh it, we're basically breaking that that train that they're trying to uh you know run us run run us down with so uh that these people that are on this other program so we're i'd say we're the good ones and they're the bad ones they basically own a lot of everything. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, the political classes, almost all of them are compromised at this point. So if any of them get out of line because they work for that, that if you want to call it a corporate entity, if, they, if they're working for that, that entity and they get out of line, then they can be killed. You know, that's their standard. Uh, and that's, that's kind of why I, you don't get killed because you're not, you've never done a, you've never worked for that that group uh you're you're basically you know revealing information the best that you can and they're like okay she's she's not in our corporation the, she doesn't uh we don't have to kill her she's just disclosing however she does 
But people that come in that have worked for that corporation and reveal, then they're expendable. So that's uh, that's probably what, unfortunately, what happened with uh, William Tompkins. Uh, and they probably contacted him aggressively and said, you'll do this and you'll contact her and you say you won't work with her ever again and then everything be good. And then I guess they they got that and then they're like, you know, killed him anyway. So that's, and that's what I discovered. You know, if, if you basically appease these, these people, uh, they're, they're going to, they're going to see you as weak and they're going to come after you. So you have to, have to really uh, stay, once you reveal, you got to keep revealing. You can't let up. It's just a constant reveal. More, more information comes in. So revealing like we're doing basically breaks the possibility of the system to overwhelm us. Uh, and it's, it's ongoing, uh, saga where we reveal something, then they create another program to like take us down or they still use that program, but it won't be as effective. Uh, one of, one of those cases was the, the COVID vaccination. Uh, it was, it wasn't as effective. Like you were talking about if Hillary Clinton had been in there, it would have been complete control over all of humanity, but, uh, they went ahead and ran it anyway. Uh, and it was fairly effective, but not completely effective. So eventually I think what they want to do is, is basically turn all of us, you, me, and everyone else that's a human into one of their little puppet clones. And, uh, you know, those of us that, you know, survive this shot or whatever it is, that's going to transform us. Uh, now, now it doesn't matter. You have the shot. They're like, it's all in the food. It's all in the air. It's all in the water. Uh, so, you know, I just had, uh, Brian Artis, uh, on Dr. Right. Brian Artis. And he just, he disclosed that, you know, that, that venom that's in all the vaccinations and all that kind of stuff basically, uh, attaches to our, uh, one of our cells or whatever. And if we take a little nicotine, nicotine receptors basically get filled up with nicotine and that venom can't come in and it basically clears us for a lot of this stuff. So little stuff like that we discover over time because he's a great researcher and it basically breaks that. So that's, that's our. Right. But I do want to say, I mean, and I watched that interview, I've sent it around to everyone and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now trying to get people to understand, hello, he'll tell you, it's not just one snake, it's actually a zillion, I mean, not a zillion, but 12 or some ridiculous 24, 24 different yeah. snake venoms yeah. that are in there, but they're also going into our food and our water now and probably the chemtrails like everything else. And what he is landed on is very good. However, what he doesn't seem to know, and this is why I want to talk to him, and I've invited him on my show, and I hope yeah. I get in contact, and I hope he'll respond. Yeah. But the bottom line, he doesn't know why they're doing this. He doesn't understand the reptilian agenda. Right. The reptilian agenda, you see, this is all linked. It's not an accident that it's sure. snake venom. They're trying to turn you into a reptilian, even though you're humanoid. That's what they did to the Anunnaki, by the way. That's why you see some Anunnaki look more reptilian than others. Some look pretty humanoid. But they're all, the, the Anunnaki were a rogue Pleiadian race who became invaded by the reptilians, the Draco and the reptilians, and basically have been converted into a, a reptilian, to a hybrid species that's reptilian and, hum and humanoid. So what happens with us is the venom 
is supposed to be part of their super soldier package right. to take over your body, to make you more aggressive, to make you bigger, better, stronger kind of thing. And at the same time, to to basically put you into this, I don't know what you want to call it, this lust for humans so that you see humans that don't have the degree of reptilian DNA or reptilian stuff, venom in them, whatever, mm -hmm. that converts your body, it makes you like want to eat, maim, sexually abuse, all these kinds of things that go along with, and it also becomes like an addictive thing that has to do with the adrenochrome, which is, you know, basically distilled from torture of children. So understanding this, okay, is this is a through line. It's a perfect through line. And once you get it, it's like so obvious what's happening here. And humans have to know what's really happening to us, okay? So that you understand that what's happening to your brothers and sisters and this stuff using the nanographing oxide, which takes over your cells and makes you stronger, it also jumps from person to person. That's what people call shedding, but it's actually more of a jump. And Michael Crichton in his book, Prey, which he wrote, you know, 20 years ago before they killed him, I believe right. they killed him. Yeah, I, I think so too. Yeah. An MD, uh, brilliant and fascinating book. And I don't know if it was ever made into a movie, but it should have been. It's incredible because it teaches you what nano and nanographene and nano, any metallic nano is capable of is mind boggling. And people don't understand AI, they don't understand nano, and they don't understand how the two work together and link you up to the Borg and so on and so forth. So this is a takeover scenario, just bottom line. And that involves the COVID, it involves the adrenochrome, it involves the child trafficking. It's all involved with these races of aliens that want to take over and take us down. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, and they, I they killed a lot I, of authors. They, Tom Clancy, I think they killed him, Ian Fleming, uh, Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway. So there's a lot of people that were maybe working for them at some point or didn't realize right. that. Yeah. So they've disclosed. Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, yeah. Died right before we were supposed to interview him. And he was in the know. He oh they God. were he was given all kinds of stuff. Wow. So, I mean, you could call it a coincidence that he died right before we were going to interview him, but we were going on the schedule and the next month he was dead, you know, so this happens a lot. Um, I can tell you that there's a whistleblower out there right now who has been persuaded not to talk to me, even though he agreed to do an interview. Yeah. Um, this is what goes on you now. Sure. Awesome. And, uh, so all I can say is that, you know, we have, as you know, the white hat military is real and they are fighting these guys and, uh, fighting for our the survival of our planet and people need to take that very seriously. Absolutely. Carrie, absolutely amazing. I got another show in a little bit. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Th sure. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming in. So tell us about, tell us a little bit about rebel gene. I love that book. Uh, it, I, I thought it was like, you're the rebel, like you were just talking about in your childhood, but it's, it's a little bit different. It's, it's a good, it's a good information. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I packed it 
full of as much stuff as I could. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, what's there to say? I, you know, people do like it. It is me talking as, you know, sort of point blank. I do include some biological stuff just because from my past or what they call autobiological, I guess, autobiological stuff, because I thought, you know, if you're going to write a book, you might as well include some personal stuff that, because I don't tend to talk much about myself all that much. So um, anyway, that's, you know, it's uh, it's a good overview, I think, I hope. And uh, it's as relevant now as when I wrote it, which is yep. right. I published it um, on Valentine's Day uh, during the first year of the COVID bullshit. Um, sorry. Um, in, in, in 2020. Wow. Yeah, it's perfect. So, yeah, def definitely relevant and re even more so now once you read it, you're, I, I, I need to go back and read some of, the, some of it again, <laughs> I think. Because uh, I, I remember when I was reading, it was like, I think she's a little ahead of her head of the game here and then i like to go back and see just how ahead of you ahead of the game because you've always been way ahead of the game and a lot of this stuff so thank you for well, all that you do and of course camelot, project camelot your your website project camelot portal.com mm -hmm. or project camelot.tv keep in mind project camelot.com the deep state the secret space program the deep secret government took control of and has never let go. So we don't have that website. We never will probably, but we are projectcamelotportal.com. So please do come to see all my interviews. And I am churning out the work lately. I mean, it's just, it's just massive. And by the way, I'm, I'm leaving for Europe to do my yearly conference that I do in the UK. It's called Awake and Aware. I'm the one who made up that term, by the way. Right. And, um, you know, because that was my first conference I did in 2009. And I Awaken Aware is what I called my series. Anyway, um, so it's done at a manor house, a beautiful manor house, you know, with gardens. And it's like a garden party because it only allows for about 125 people. Mm. It's a great networking event, but we also have uh, great speakers and, you know, all day long uh, for two days. It's a weekend. All right. So, the tickets are on sale. It's on my website. And it's also, you can go to ufoacademy.com, ufoacademy.com, and buy your tickets there in advance. So we sell out every year pretty much. So um, what what's the date on it? Go? Uh, it is August uh, 12th and 13th, the weekend of August 12th and 13th. Okay. So I fly out there um, next weekend and uh, get there a week ahead to get over jet lag yeah. and uh, get myself set up over there and uh, so nice. on. Yeah. And and then while I'm over in Europe, I take a vacation. I don't know where I'm gonna go this year because they're doing all kind of crazy sh stuff. You know, um, I don't know if you've heard the fires in Greece and I mean, I this know. is all man-made. This you know, dri driving everybody in the big 15 minute cities. Yeah. These are attacks. These are out and out attacks, just like the Canada, the false flags in Canada and right. all the smoke coming down into northern uh, United States and train derailments and attacks just constant. You know, the this is how they operate. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much uh, for your work. You're, you're absolutely amazing. And I uh, always appreciate you when you come on. You reveal. Every time, there's no, there's never a show that I've seen where you haven't revealed massive information. 
I don't, I don't know how you do it, but it's 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 all and it's new. It's like you're not revamping. Yes. Yeah, you're you're you basically paint a picture a little bit, and then you're like, boom, you're like reveal again. It's like wow, it's just incredible. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, and thanks everyone for watching. Yeah. Thanks everyone. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality.